All right, everybody. Welcome to New Life. Thank you. One person, one person in our main auditorium. I'm sure that there are plenty of people that said hello to me down in the venue. Almost guarantee you. And in North Platte, they probably stood and cheered, actually. So that's just my... That's, that's my best guess. That's my best guess. I'm not there physically, but I've been told things like that happen. So, anyways, welcome to New Life. We are one church, multiple locations. Today, right now, we are actually in three locations at the same time. So, um, thank you guys for being with us. Um, I really seriously mean it. Thank you for being with us in North Platte. Um, as well as in the venue, worshiping with us today. You could have picked really any church to attend today, but you guys walked through the doors of New Life. I know that here in Kearney today, we, we've got a pretty big day going on. It's, uh, it's our high school graduation that's happening right on. So I don't know if there are any in any of our venues today, any graduates, but if there are, why don't you just go ahead and stand and let's applaud them anyways. All right, let's just do that. Right on. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, congratulations. Congratulations to the two of you guys that are here in our main auditorium and those worshiping with us and our others as well. Uh, We're excited about it. Seriously. Um, And I've been sick the past couple of days and I haven't been able to make it to any graduation parties. I'm all bummed out, man. I've, I've been missing out on, you know, pulled pork sandwiches and cake Oh, I mean, missing out on meeting with the people. I forgot. All right. Meeting with the people, shaking the hand of the graduates. Actually, you know, I'm just joking. But um, I'm excited for you guys. We've got a a great church that has an incredible amount of just top grade um, graduates this year. And I just really couldn't be more proud of them for what God's going to do with them and where they're going to end up in life and the impact that they're going to make. It's going to be fantastic. So I'm excited about that. Hey, uh, today we are continuing our teaching series, Essentials, where we've been reading through the top 100 passages of the Bible. Now, the Bible is full of truth no matter where you open it up to, um, but we just kind of narrowed it down to maybe the top 100, and we called them Essentials. Like, if you were only going to be able to read in your lifetime 100 passages, maybe these would be some of the most critical ones you'd want to focus in on. And then as we've gone through the teaching series, then we've preached out of the top 20 of those. So today is no different. We're going to be doing the same thing. If you have a Bible with you, you're going to want to open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where I'm going to land. There'll be a bunch of other scriptures that, uh, that I'm going to use today. And so you might find it a little difficult to jump around, you know, in your Bible to stay with me. Please know that there are large Bibles uh, provided for you. Um, they're on the screens, okay? So just large Bibles on the screens, and you can, you can go there and you can watch those, all right? If you want the notes from today's message, then you'll have to download the uh, Bible app called YouVersion. And then you can go to the live feature, search for New Life Carney, and up will come the sermon notes for today. Hey, before we, before we actually jump into today, though, um, I've got, uh, it's good news and bad news. I, I love changing teaching series, but I hate coming to the end of good ones. And this is coming to the end of a good one. Next Sunday is the last Sunday in Essentials, okay? And so we've entitled it the last Sunday. We gave it its own little title. It's called Rock Solid. Come on, someone say rock solid with me. Rock solid. 
Oh, you guys sound good. That's amazing. Okay, rock solid. And here's what's going to happen. You guys need to come next week because I'm going to do something that we haven't ever done in this building before. I'm going to try to destroy the wall behind me, okay? Um, The wall behind me are these blocks that we've been building. Each of these represent a spiritual truth, and I'm going to do my best to destroy that wall. I want to help you understand that there is absolutely nothing that the enemy can throw at you that can destroy the essential truths of God. There is nothing that this world can throw at you that can destroy the essential word of God that's at work inside of you. There's nothing that this world or a person or our enemy, Satan, can do to dismantle or to destroy the essential truths of who God is the character and the nature of God and the power of his word, absolutely nothing. And I want to illustrate that for you next week. So you're going to have to be here for it. You're scratching your head right now because you're saying, "Mm, next week's a holiday, now what am I going to do? That'll be up to you. But I will say this. I will say this. You're going to want to invite a friend and you're going to want to be here because next week's message is going to be a powerful, life-giving, transforming message where some of your friends and family members are going to come to know the true power of our living God, maybe for the very first time and see their lives radically transformed. You're going to want to be here. Plus, you want to be here for when I shoot things at that wall and try to, you know, destroy it. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. I will. Oh, maybe one more thing. Pastor Eric is working on a lot of this stuff for me, so you know it's going to be good, right? You know it's going to be good because he's working on it, and you know how well his props always work. So um, this should be pretty fantastic, pretty fantastic. All right, so uh, to get started today, um, if I said to you, what is the greatest invention of all time, you would scream out, Or you wouldn't scream out. One of those two things would happen, right? You would either be super creative or you would sit there like, uh, can I phone a friend? I would say to you there are some great inventions that have happened over the course of of, uh, mankind. A few of those would be like electricity, all right? That's good. I like that one. Um, The other one would be this, the wheel. The wheel. That's a pretty good invention, right? If you like, does anybody here watch that show Shark Tank? You know where they they try to, yeah, you like that kind of stuff? There's a few hands popped up immediately of which I would have assumed some of them instantly, all right? More entrepreneurial, you know, that kind of a business-minded kind of thing. There was a guy on the recent episode that claims he's created a new wheel, a better wheel to the wheel. You'll have to watch it to check it out for yourself, but I think nevertheless that's a good convention. How many guys like this as a good invention, all right? An automobile, right? Maybe not this one. Maybe you like, you know, more modern day, but I'm thankful for the automobile. Um, It's much better than trying to feed a horse and then take care of all the other things of a horse. Um, Let's go on to the next one. An airplane. This the other day, I flew all the way to West Africa and back. I mean, that's incredible. You know what that journey would have been like without an airplane? Great invention. Here's one last one for you. The internet. How in the world can you live without the internet today? Is that just the craziest thing, how somebody invents something that no one's ever done before, and how many of us go, how do I live without it now? So there's these great inventions throughout time that were started with an idea and then birthed into this concept, it came alive. Even more recently, there's been some inventions that have come about from an idea that turned into reality, such as smartphones. How many, how many, how many of you guys have a smartphone, get smartphones? Okay, good, awesome. 
Um, they're, they're great. They're wonderful little tools. Um, a couple of other things that recently have been developed would be things like a GPS. How many, does anybody here use a GPS? Anybody in North Platte, those kind of places, use GPSs? Does anybody use a GPS in North Platte or in Kearney, though? Please, come on. Our size communities, you need a GPS to get around. People use GPS to try to find my house. They always end up at like this cul-de-sac all the time. And I'm so thankful that no one continues to follow the advice on the GPS, which is continue forward. Yeah, because that's not going to work. Right through someone's house to get there. Although there have been recent reports, people have literally driven off bridges. They've done all kinds of weird stuff because they followed just the GPS. So it's amazing, but it has its own flaws. Here's one last uh, recent invention. Does anybody know what this is right here? A 3D printer. Yes, man, very good. Pat yourself on the back. You guys are so culturally relevant. Um, does anybody here own a 3D printer? Anybody? No, no one yet? Okay. Pretty soon, pretty soon, men, check this out. A 3D printer in your garage and you've got to get the job done. You know how many of us complain all the time? Like if I just had the right tool, I could get the job done. Well, now you're just going to print out the pliers. That's pretty cool. All right. Or ladies, you could have one in your kitchen, right? And then you're getting ready to have this big event and people are coming over to your house and you're missing one serving spoon. You don't have time to run and get it. Just print it out right? Start serving it. It will be amazing. One day I'll be able just to come home for lunch, type in peanut butter and jelly with no crust. Boom, out it comes. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. So, but great inventions, man, the time in which we live, like technology just keeps advancing, but it's about creating an idea and then taking that idea to fruition and making it into this new creation, I did that one time with a motorcycle with a bunch of friends of mine. We had this idea of what a motorcycle could really look like. You know, about nine and a half, ten feet long, big, you know, twelve and a half inch rear tire. You know, sleek and long where you're out there like this. You know, where it's uncomfortable to go two miles, but you take it all over the town because it just looks cool. It's loud, you know, and it's, it's sweet. And so we took that from an idea and turned it into reality, and someone actually bought it. Can you believe that? That's amazing. Can't believe it. So it was so much fun to take something from just an idea, though, and turn it into reality. Well, guess what? You need to know something today. God's heart towards you is to take you just the way you are, which he created you, by the way, just the way you are, and to turn you into this new creation, That's God's heart. What God does is this. He loves you just the way you are. You were birthed and formed by God, put on this planet. But from that moment till now, you've had some decisions you've had to make. Some decisions that have altered the course of your life. Some things that you have decided to do, believe, act, respond on, have emotions towards. And many of those things from a worldly or a sinful perspective have got inside of you and they've, they've morphed you, they've changed you, they've tried to drift you away from God's heart to man's heart. But God goes, I still want to make you into a new creation. I still have this idea inside of me about you. And I see you for something much greater than maybe what you see yourself. I can see much more than what you can see about yourself. And so God takes you just the way you are, but he doesn't leave you there. 
But he does start taking some pieces out of you that got into you, that you opened the door and you allowed in some sinful behavior, some wrong beliefs, some mixed emotions that don't line up with his word. And he starts taking those things out. But the beauty is he inserts back into you his principles, his character, his nature. He inserts back into you the power of his word. Why? Because God likes to take all things that are old and make them new. God is a God of making new creation. God is new every day. When God dreams about you, it's about a new creation. It's about you becoming new all over again. About you lining your mind up with his mind, your heart with his heart, your will with his will, your emotions with his emotions. It's about you submitting to his spirit and his spirit coming alive inside of you. That's what God's up to. Way better than a 3D printer. Way better than a smartphone. Way better than electricity. God's making all things new. My question to you today is this. Are you being made new? Or have you grown stale? Has your Christianity become mundane? When was the last time that your road intersected God's road? When was the last time God's word came alive for you? When was the last time and you were in a service like this and you experienced the power and the presence of God so overwhelming that there was nothing you could do but just humble yourself and bow before him and say, you are king of kings and lord of lords. One of the things that we know about God is that his heart toward you is that he's wanting to make you new. Take the old, brush it away, and insert the new. That's the character of the nature of God. Today we're going to be looking at that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 of how God makes all things new. So my prayer for you today is that you would desire to be made new with God. My prayer for you today is that you would desire not to stay the same, but that you would want to experience the power and the presence of God in a fresh new way, that he would radically transform your life in so many different ways. So to do that, we've been building this wall. I told you every block in the wall represents a spiritual truth. We've been calling them essential truths. So essential truth number one is this. You are a new creation. It's not that you can be or that you have been. It's that you are a new creation. But there's a few things that have to line up for that to take place. So let's jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and take a look at it. In verse 16 it says, Paul's writing this. And he says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God, look, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. First, to be a new creation in Christ, Jesus has to be 100% God. You can't view Jesus from a worldly perspective only. That means you can't look at Jesus and just go, oh, he was a good teacher. And that's it. Or you can't just look at Jesus and go, oh, you know, he was was just a good man. Because that's not enough. That's a worldly point of view. You can't even look at Jesus and just go, he was just a good prophet. Because when you just end there, you end in a worldly frame of mind. 
And when you end in a worldly frame of mind, Paul is basically telling us, you'll never experience a new creation. You'll never experience this new heart, this new life. You'll never experience getting out of the old and coming into the new. So you can't. Paul says we used to do that. We used to look at Jesus and think to ourselves, he's just a crazy guy who's calling himself a Messiah, who's making all these promises. Sure, he goes around and he does some healings of people, but we look at him, we think he's a fool. If you're here today and you think of Christ, anything less than 100% God, then you look at him in a worldly perspective and it's impossible to make those things new. For us to be made new, we have to come and we have to say, Jesus, you are, inquitably, 100%, you are God. There is no argument about it. You are King of kings, Lord of lords. Your name is above every other name. And at your name, every knee is going to bow, including my own. Now, when that happens, when that process starts to take place in your heart, all of a sudden, man, God starts getting inside of there. And he can start making things new. Because you're aligning yourself with him. You need to understand today, a worldly point of view is devastating, it divides, and it brings destruction. Think about it with me. A worldly point of view in our culture right now. Some people, when they look and they see someone with another color skin, racism instantly and judgment instantly starts stirring inside of their hearts. And they divide and that causes destruction. Why? Because we're just looking from an outside worldly perspective. I've been around people with all different types of color of skin. And when you get beyond our skin, you get beyond our language, you get beyond our country that we come from, and you get to the heart of the matter, there are some incredible men and women on this planet that come from vast backgrounds from what you've come from that are amazing followers of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord. But if you don't see people that way, then that can divide and that causes destruction because that's a worldly way of seeing the world. Even denominations. When you run into somebody in our community, whether it's in North Platte or it's in Kearney, and when you run into them and they say that they're from a particular church, you instantly can, some of you, can stir up emotion. You can stir up judgment and you prejudge people. You don't even really know them, but because of the name of the church or the denomination that they go to, we instantly judge people. That causes destruction. That divides. That's what a worldly view does. The same thing happens with our finances and even our education inside of the church. Here in Kearney or there in North Platte right now, you could be sitting there and You've already predetermined. People that have a bunch of money, they're just this way. And people that are poor are just that way. And so we separate ourselves and we go our own direction. That's a worldly point of view. In the end, a worldly point of view only brings destruction and it divides and it brings death. And that same worldly view will happen between man and God if you can't come to the grips of seeing Jesus as 100% God and there is no equal. That's a big challenge in our culture today. Because our culture today doesn't like statements like that, right? They like, well, can't I have Jesus and? No. Can't I, can't I believe in Jesus and believe in this? Can I have more of a pluralistic type of a belief? No, you can't. Can I accept Jesus just for the things that I kind of agree with and then not the others? No, you, you, you can't. Life is found in Christ and in him alone. You can't go, you can't, you can't do anything other than that. 
If you look at Jesus from a worldly point of view, it's going to lead to death and division. And it's going to divide you from God. Have you ever had one of those moments when you're out in the community and you run into a complete stranger, but yet they feel like a brother or a sister? You ever had one of those moments where you meet a complete stranger and you're talking with them and inside of your heart just keeps, it kind of, there's a little leap that keeps going on, right? And you're like, man, I, I'm pretty sure this person's probably a, a Christ follower. I'm pretty sure this person's probably a believer, right? You ever had one of those moments when that happens for you? And then all of a sudden you're just bold enough and you go, hey, do, do you, do you, you've got to, you've got to probably go to church someplace. Yes, I do. Facts, you know, I'm, I'm like a deacon at my church or whatever. And you're like, what? I knew that. How did I know that? Because the way that you talked and the way that you, the way that you're, even your facial expressions, but you sensed something through the Holy Spirit, that there was this unique bond that you had with this person that you've never met before in your life. Oh man, it's happened to me so many times. I can't even tell you. It's probably the same thing for you, especially when you go on a missions trip and you're in a foreign country and you can't even speak their language, but yet you can, you can sense the power and the anointing of God on their life. And there's something about that that binds us together. What are you experiencing? You're experiencing that new creation. You're looking beyond your worldly eyes and you're sensing this through God's spirit. And he's allowing you to recognize that person follows me as well. And so does that person. Why? Because you're seeing the new creation. These people didn't find a new creation just because they were rehabilitated or re-educated. That's not the way it happened. They were recreated. It's the same thing that people will read in you. It's that little Christian cliche kind of a statement that happens all too often, though. That when we live the truth, people look at us and they finally eventually come around to going, what do you have that I don't have? What are they saying? What are they sensing? What are they seeing? They're sensing the new creation that's happening that only God can do, that only God can bring. This is not just about turning over a a new leaf or just beginning something new. This is about surrendering completely to God. And when we do that, God starts a rebirthing inside of us. This is what I experienced in my own personal life. When I submitted and I gave my life to Christ completely, I laid it down. I said, Jesus, you're going to be the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. This is somewhere, you know, 1990, early 91 time frame. That when I did that, there were some things that God instantly started creating in me. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. When I was at that stage of my life, I was drinking all the time. I carried a bottle of something with me almost everywhere I went. My, my own buddies who weren't Christians were telling me I have a problem. I didn't think I had a problem. I mean, the bottle lasted a couple of days. It wasn't like I just downed every bottle every day. So, you know, I'm okay, right, because we justify our actions. Did you realize that when I gave my life to Jesus, boom, a new creation, the desire for that was instantly taken away? That's a miracle. Did you realize that... Before I gave my life and surrendered it to Christ and made him the Lord and leader of my life, that I cussed like a sailor. And hopefully now I preach like a saint. (laughs) But those days, those days, that's the way it was. When I gave my life to Christ, boom, the desire for that, those words in my mind, gone. They weren't even there. They didn't even find their way into a sentence. Did you realize that before I gave my life to Christ and completely surrendered and made him Lord and leader, that my wife and I 
Kim, who's here in our main auditorium, if you see me pointing, that her and I were separated completely, living in two different states and two different cities, and that my love for her had grown cold. But did you realize that when I surrendered my life to Christ that day, there was an instant rush of love that came into my heart and extended towards her? That's new creation. Did you realize that on that day, there was this instant desire to be obedient to God and to want to open up his word and find out what it says so I can align my life to him? That's instant creation. That's new creation happening inside of me. It's not something I could do. It's something that God wanted to do. Have you, have you experienced things like that? Have you experienced this new creation of God's spirit stirring inside of you? Because if you haven't, I'm telling you right now, it's the best thing ever. The best thing ever. Now, there was a lot of things in my life that didn't instantly change. But see, that's the continuation. That's the continued process of God going, I, I want to continue to make all things new. And that's what God wants to do in your life today. That's why I asked you at the beginning of my message, have you been experiencing God making all things new inside of you? Are you, can you never, can you not recall the last moment or was the last moment so far ago? I want to tell you today, Jesus is here to meet you because he wants to take your heart and turn it inside out and upside down. And he wants to do some amazing things inside of you. One of my favorite verses concerning this whole subject matter is Galatians 2.20. It says that my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love this. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's what a new creation of a heart does. When God gets a hold of your heart, you can't help but say, I don't want to live for me any longer. I've been crucified. I've died. My old self, I keep bringing it to the cross day after day, week after week. So that what? So that Christ can live in me. But please recognize, you're going to keep living in this earthly body. You know what that means. That means you're still going to experience pain. You're still going to experience trouble. You're still going to experience temptation. You're still going to stumble and fall. There's even going to be times when you stumble and fall in sin. The one thing you need to know about God's spirit that's at work in you and that's chasing some of you today is that he still wants to keep making you new because that's God's heart. God's desire is that through the course of this life, you'll learn to trust him and let the old man die so that Christ can live. So let's go back to our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, which we just read a minute ago. And it said that all this, all this new creation going on inside of you is from who? God, right? It's from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So if you want to experience this new creation of God reconciling you to him, it first starts with this. First, God, God, you, you're the one who made a way. There's nothing that I did. You made the way. And that's important because that's a humbling. That's a submitting of yourself. You first have to come to the point where you can say, it's not what I can do. It's what you have done. That's your first move. That's where you got to go today. 
is that, God, your heart of love was so massive and so big that you made a way for me to have relationship with you by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and to give his life on that cross and to rise again from the grave so that death and, and sin might be conquered. But secondly, then you have to surrender to God's plan and become obedient to his word. Just like I did. You have to humble yourself. You've got to kneel yourself down before God. And you have to say, God, I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop living my life my own way. And I'm going to surrender to yours. Now, when that happens, instantaneously, on the backside of that surrender is this third piece where that's when God can start making you new. This is the definition of reconciliation. It started with God. It ends with God. In the middle is us surrendering. When we recognize relationship with God started with him, it's what he's done for us, and we surrender to him, then we, we open ourselves up for God to start making us new. See, God's the one from the beginning of time who wanted to reconcile you. He wanted to make you right. He wanted to change you. He wanted to transform you. He wanted to take you from this state of sin and separation from him, this division between man and him because of the worldly view and the way that we lived and the way we saw God. And he wanted to eradicate that and bring us, reconcile us to him, make us right in his eyes. Build that relationship with him. Bring us to the point where like Romans chapter 5 verse 11 says, he calls us friends. It says this, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has done what? Made us friends of God. That's what it means to have a new creation. That's what it means to be made new. Is that you become friends with God. Yes, in a sovereign manner. Yes, in a respectful way. God's not your high five buddy that's going to walk down the street with you in that, you know, hey, what's up, homeboy, kind of sense. That's not what he's, that's not what we're talking about. Friends of God, the benefit of being close to God, the communion with God on a daily basis, that I want to spend time with you because you're my friend, the counsel of a close friend. God wants to make you new because the friendship between you and him is instrumental in you becoming all that he wants you to be. But you need to know today that God's just not interested in making you new. God has a mission for you if you become a follower of his. And the second essential truth is this, that you have the ministry of reconciliation. You actually have a ministry. The day that you surrendered your life to Christ... You were given a ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, going back to verse 18 again, picking up from there. The second part of it is this. And God has given us this task or this ministry of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Some other versions of, the, of your Bibles might say, and he has committed to us, committed to us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Either way you look at it, whether you start at the beginning of what we just read or you end it, he gave us a task. He gave us a ministry or he's committed to us. He's basically commissioned us to spread the good news of this wonderful opportunity for people to be reconciled, to be brought from their old self and brought into a new relationship with him where God actually becomes friend. This is something that God put inside of your heart and my heart. 
You have a ministry. You know that every good ministry, by the way, every good ministry comes from a gift that God put in you that he wants you to share with others. So some people today are serving like in the nursery or they're serving our toddlers or they're serving in our children's ministry, serving out in the lobby at the welcome center or one of our ushers or on our worship team or in some capacity in our tech team. Those guys are all serving in ministry out of a gift or out of, an, a, out of a talent that God gave them and they want to share that with others. And that's awesome. And every single one of you have some kind of a gift that God wants to, you know, utilize for his kingdom to build it up and to build others up and to use so that his church could advance and the message of Jesus Christ can be shared in the community. But what you need to know today is that you have a ministry the instant that you gave your life to Christ. As soon as you committed to him and this new creation started, God said, perfect. Now, now you're commissioned Now I've given you the task, I've given you the ministry, go help others find the same relationship that you have. You know why God would give that to you? Three quick reasons. First off, it's because it makes you stronger spiritually. It causes you to grow spiritually. Why does God give you this ministry, this responsibility, this commissioning? Because you'll never grow faster in any other thing that you do spiritually other than investing your life into another person. Like when you disciple someone else, when you take someone underneath your wing and you share the gospel with them and you help lead them to Jesus and then you don't just leave them there but you can help them continue on in the journey, you're gonna grow exponentially. That's one of the reasons. So God puts right into the very beginning of your relationship with him, he gives you this commissioning that, watch this, it's gonna continue to help the new creation happen. He wants you to go out into the world and start sharing the good news with others because it's going to help you grow. But the second thing is this, is to keep you focused on others and not only yourself. So many people say things like, man, Pastor, I just need to go deeper. I just need to go deeper. Yeah, you do need to go deeper, but it's not just for you. You go deeper in God's word for watch. Watch this, for others. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is about. You go deeper in God's word so that you've got more to share with others. You go deeper with God and his presence and surrendering to him. So what? So you can share it with others. It's always about others. It always has been and it always will be. So if you think it's about you, you're in trouble. It's always about what God wants to do in you, but through you to others. That's the ministry of reconciliation. God wants so badly for us to exercise those muscles, those spiritual muscles, that he goes, it's about what I want to do through you. And when, I, when you will let God do things through you, let me tell you what happens to you. You grow exponentially. That's when you find what real spiritual depth is. But let me tell you the last reason why God called us to this ministry of helping people come from darkness into light, come from a lost state into a relationship with him is because it brings you great joy. It's hard to wipe the smile off of the face of a believer who's actually leading people to Jesus. Just try it sometime. Slap it. It's not coming off. It might actually get wider. (laughs) Make faces at them, you know? Scream at them, get angry at them. Go sit in their pew where they normally sit. They're still going to smile. Have the worst worship service ever. Sound system blew up. Video projectors smoked. You know, lights went out. And they're still going to worship God. 
Nothing's going to stop them. There's something about having this ministry inside of your heart going, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price and my life has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There's something about that that puts a spiritual smile on your face and brings you great joy that you can't get anywhere else on this earth. But that's what God does. See, that's what he called you to at the beginning. So not only are you, is the question this, are you experiencing new creation? But let me ask you another question. Are you experiencing the joy of reconciliation? Now I know, some of you are sitting out there going, dude, um, I don't really even understand. You keep using this word reconciliation. What, what is going on here? Well, number one, we're taking it straight out of Scripture. But let me tell you, if you don't understand how to fulfill this ministry of reconciliation, and you are a new believer, or you're a believer that's been around for 20 years, and it's never really activated in you, let me tell you how this ministry of reconciliation works. First, this is deep and profound. You ready? Strap your seatbelt on. Tell people what you know. Just tell people what you know. Look at what 1 Corinthians 15 has to say. Paul says this, he goes, I passed on to you what was most important and what had, been all, what had also been, look, what does it say? Passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. I just love, I love how simple this is. It's very simple. All of us can understand this, right? What does he say? Hey, Corinthians, in my first letter to you, which we're talking out of the second letter to him, I passed on to you what was most important. What was most important? Whatever had been passed on to him. That's what was important. Is it based on Jesus? Yes, sure it is. But it was told to him and it transformed his life. And then he goes, so guess what I'm going to tell you? <laughs> what was told to me? How hard is that? You're an expert at what you've been told, what you know. You're an expert at that. You know it. You've been told it. You practiced it. Now go around and tell others it. You don't have to be Jeff Baker. You don't have to be your life group leader. You don't have to be a theologian or have a Bible degree. You just have to tell people what you know. Now, that should be the fuel that drives you to go deep. You should want to go deeper with God because you want to know more so that you can tell people more. And not tell people more. I'll tell you something more. Not that kind of tell people more. The let me tell you more. That open hand, not uh, let me shove all of the spiritual, biblical truth that I know down your throat. But are you hungry? Let me tell you more. Let me lead you back to the same bread that I ate off of. Let me lead you back to the same scriptures that I've fed off of lately. Let me lead you back to those things. That should be why you want to hear more sermons. That should be why you want to experience God's presence. That should be what drives your biblical knowledge is so that, God, you can use that to tell others. That's the first step. The second step would be this. Encourage the spiritual journey of others. If you want to practice this ministry of reconciliation, then it's going to have to involve encouraging the spiritual journey of others. How would you encourage them? Well, take a look at what Philippians 2 says. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to whose good purpose? God's good purpose. So just for a second, how, how does this even encourage you today? First thing is this, 
It's a process. You have to continue to work out that salvation. Continue to work it out. There's still things that God wants to make new. And sometimes people get discouraged because not everything's being made new at the same time. And they're like, man, where am I failing? I'm not making as much progress as I wanted to. Just slow down. It's okay. Everything's good. Work it out. It's all right. What, is, what do you sense God's dealing with in your heart right now? Let's just focus our attention on that piece. That gets them off of a worldly view, like I just have to make progress, and it gets them focused on a more spiritual view, which is what is God dealing with in your heart? Let's focus attention there. What's the most important thing? Let's just do that. Yeah, but there's these 12 things. I know. But the, when you just look at the 12 things, you're looking at from a worldly view. That's going to bring death and destruction. What is your spirit sense God's working on? Let's focus there, and let's keep moving forward. That could be an encouragement to you, even where you sit right now. But that is, that's definitely an encouragement to people that are new believers and to help them in that process. But they also need to know, and you need to be reminded today, I want to encourage you today. Who's working all things for his good purpose? God is. You need to know today that God is working on your heart for his good purpose. It's not about what you did this last week. It's about the fact that God's faithful and he's still working on your heart. Yeah, but I fell. I fell flat on my face and I really blew it, man. I just completely wiped out. Yeah, well, guess what? God's still working in your heart for his good purpose. You know what that means? Let me encourage you. God hasn't given up on you. How many times do you need to hear the fact that God hasn't given up on you? How many times do you think that they need to hear God hasn't given up on you? A lot. So if you're going to be a minister of reconciliation, you also have to be someone that's willing to encourage other people's journeys. Meet them where they're at, but love them enough not to leave them there. Amen? All right. The third thing would be this. Stay focused on the new creation transformation. I'll say it one more time. Stay focused on the new creation transformation. Stop trying to make things so difficult. That's what great religion, that's what great religion is all about. Religion takes something that's supposed to be simple and makes it difficult. Religiosity takes this simple process of, of following God and surrendering your heart to him and comes up with 600 things that you have to do to make it happen. Just stay focused on new creation. Take a look at what Galatians has to say in chapter 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. This is what it's all about. It's about coming back over and over again and continuing to nail your sin to the cross and to nail your life to the cross. And I know sometimes, sometimes it gets a little discouraging because you're like, I thought that I nailed that thing to the cross on Sunday morning, but it showed up Tuesday in the kitchen. What in the world? How did that thing get off the cross and show back up in my attitude? How did that thing get back up off the cross and show up in my mouth again? How did that happen? Because there's a process. Stay focused, though. Stay focused on leading people back to the cross and humbling ourselves and dying at the cross so that Christ can come alive. If you want to truly know what it means to live, then you have to die at the cross daily. Sometimes by the minute. Sometimes there's multiple moments throughout the day where you have to come back to the cross and you have to humble yourself down and you have to say, Jesus, let that attitude die at your cross today so that your spirit might truly live in me. And you get back up and you keep going through your day. 
All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, and you don't wait till Sunday morning for the pastor to preach just the right message out of just the right passage, and then decide to come to an altar and surrender your life. You surrender it right where you're at, right in the very moment. Why? So that the Spirit of God, this new creation, can come alive inside of you. Humble ourselves. That whole attitude of, God, I'm just going to give it all to you right now. I'm going I'm to actually give up my control, and I'm going to let you have complete control. So you need to know today, God is not done creating in you the heart that he started creating. He's wanting to follow that through to completion. And it's his good will that he's working on. His good purpose And he's going to follow that purpose through if you and me will surrender to him and start becoming the ministers of reconciliation that he wants us to be by helping others discover what a relationship with Christ can really look like. And through that process, God will take all the old inside of you and he'll make it new. I would just wonder today, in this auditorium and down in the venue and in North Platte, how many of you guys would be bold enough just to raise your hand and say, you know what, over the past 12 months at least, Maybe a little bit longer, but over the past 12 months, I really do sense that God has been working a new work inside of my heart. There is this new creation that is happening. I sense that he is doing that inside of me. Anybody here bold enough that would just put their hand up and say that's what's happening? Just look. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up in all the venues. And just look around. It's very encouraging to see hands raised all over the place. And for some of you that, you know, honestly right now, just keep your hand up for a moment. That right now you don't feel like you can raise your hand. Man, praise God for you, that you're not just being religious about things, that you're very sincere about it. And I want you to see all these hands. And if God is making things new in their hearts, I guarantee you God can make things new in your heart. So why don't we put your hands down? So my challenge to all of us today is this. Do you want to become a new creation in God? Do you want to see God do some radical transformation? Well, there's a big responsibility for it. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to say, God, I'll be a minister for you, then today could be your day where you submit, you submit yourself to God and you surrender and you die at the cross maybe for the first time. Maybe it's for, maybe it's you're coming back to God. That's great. Praise God for that. But today, no matter where you are, no matter what venue you're in, I want to challenge you today, surrender your life to Jesus and let him begin the new work inside of you. And you can easily do that by submitting your heart to him and humbling yourself and saying, God, here I am with all my sin, with all the junk of my life. But Lord, I want you to be, the, I want you to be my leader and I want you to be my Lord. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. May you start making all things new inside of me. And if you sense the Holy Spirit pulling you and convicting you into that type of relationship with him, don't hold back. You respond to him today. Amen? And for, and for the rest of you that say, God has begun that work in me, praise God. I want to see that continue to happen in you. So get out there on the streets and start sharing the good news with Jesus, of Jesus with others. Start encouraging others. Stay focused. Stay focused on new creation. Don't get so distracted by all the other things that we hear about. Just stay focused on new creation. Die at the cross so that Christ can come alive. Die at the cross so that the Holy Spirit can have his work inside of us. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who makes all things new. Thank you that you can take our sinful state of our past and you can radically transform us into the men and the women that you want us to be. God, we praise you for that. We celebrate that. Lord, I celebrate, Lord, that character and that attribute of your heart that you don't give up on us. 
that you have a good purpose and it's your will that you're doing these things for. God, that you would get the glory and you would get the honor and that you would get the praise. Lord, I pray over this congregation that we would be a hungry people, hungry people. Lord, we would even respond to your altars this morning as we sense your spirit dealing with us. We would come to the altars in front of all of our auditoriums, humble ourselves down, and just say, God, create in me a clean heart. Lord, renew in me a right spirit. God, you would would do that today. Lord, you would be a God of new beginnings. You would be a God of fresh creation. You would be a God that, Lord, transforms the way we think today, transforms our emotions and our will, that, Lord... We wouldn't live by those things because those things are going to, they're going to cause us to die and decay. But Lord, we live by your spirit today. Let your spirit come alive in us. That a new creation would begin. But for some folks that are hearing my voice today, it's been a long time since there's been a fresh encounter of the power and the presence of God. May they find that today at your altar. May they find that today as they come and they kneel down in the front and they seek you. May they find that fresh encounter. May you continue to stir their hearts. May you cultivate their heart into the man and the woman that you want them to be so that they can go out of these doors and be the minister that you've called them to be. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.